Pace Line is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Emlin, Robot Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are we doing, buddy? Uh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, I feel as though uh, keeping track of your whereabouts is like, where's Waldo? But I think <laughs> you're back in your home. Yes, yes. Uh, I was... Uh, so yeah, at the beginning of the month I was here and then I was in Memphis and then I was here for a day, a day. And then I was in yeah. Seattle and now I'm back here and actually I decided I'm going to take the boys on a vacation and we're going to drive to Seattle, uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, You're, you move around more than Beyonce's backup dancers. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to dispute that my, my life has more motion in it than, uh, I, I might otherwise choose, but I have some good motivations for this. And, you right. know, honestly, things don't feel crazy. I'm just traveling a lot. Sure. Huh. Uh, and, and some point really soon, I'm going to be talking about some of the writing I've been doing up there because holy cow, who knew? I was aware. Actually, I have ridden outdoors there myself, and it's it's special. I did a ride on Saturday that like reordered my understanding of the universe. <laughs> well, I'll look forward to hearing about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a a talk for another show. What are you going to be talking about today? Well, um, we've we've talked recently about the upside of disc brakes versus rim brakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. you and I differ on that slightly, I think, mostly because I think you ride a lot faster than I do on average. <laughs> and anyway, it's it's good to disagree a little. It creates a little creative friction, which oh, I yeah. like. Um, what I want to talk about today is a tech development that came to us almost simultaneously with tech disc brakes, rather. And that's tubelessness. Oh, the unbearable uh, tubelessness of being. <laughs> Milan Kundura is yes. turning in his grave. Okay. Yes. Um, I was thinking about that this week because I went for a road ride with my buddy Mike. And incidentally, Mike is a deep thinker on bike stuff. And our rolling conversation is going to end up inspiring two or three posts on the site. Uh, so watch for those. But anyway, I don't ride my road bike much, even though I really love that bike. And so I was excited for this ride. I had cleaned and lubed the bike a little while ago. So no, I knew it was good. Uh, I just needed to add a little air before rolling out. Uh, where we meet up is like five minutes from my house. So I, I kind of felt relaxed in the morning. I, I aired up the tires and I left. I got about 150 yards from my house, uh, which unfortunately puts me some way down a steep hill. Yes. And I heard that old familiar pop. 
Oh. Then my rear rim rolling over pavement. And I thought, wow. Wow, classic. That is just classic. Mm-hmm. And this is the one bike I own not set up tubeless. <laughs> mm-hmm. ah. I, um, you know, I didn't panic. Uh, I can change flats in my sleep still. Uh, that's a dying art. Uh, <laughs> but I, I still have it. Uh, so rather than tippy tippity tapping tippity tapita back up the hill in my road shoes, I just decided I'd fix it right there, 150 yards from my house. So I I pulled the wheel, I peeled one tire bead, removed the flat tube. I checked the tire for glass or other sharp objects. I took the cap and nut off the new tube, threaded the valve, tucked the tube into the tire, and then reseated the bead. I ran my hand around both beads to confirm that neither one was impinging the tube. Then I clamped on my CO2 inflator and pulled the trigger. Pfft. A single pfft. A single sad puff emerged from my CO2 oh, cartridge. Oh, it was an old cartridge? Yeah. Oh, I've never made that mistake. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. I mean, he I, says I checked. He rolls his eyes. Right. So I checked the cartridge to make sure it was fully, you know, seated sure. in the uh, in the head. Uh, I stared at it for a little bit, which didn't have any uh, effect. Um, I was like, God, I, I, I couldn't have used this and kept it in my kit. But of course I did. Or <laughs> it's old and it just, you know. Right. It just. Right. So. So I tippity-tapped back up the hill, changed my shoes, swapped bikes, and went off to meet Mike. And this, this is why tubeless is superior to tubed. (laughs) And okay, okay, it's more work to set up tubeless. And it can be gross. But the overall expenditure of time is nothing compared to the reliability and versatility of a tubeless setup. I knew this before. But I convinced myself all over again on Wednesday. So I'm going to ask a question. <laughs> this one's, I feel like this one's going to hurt. Go ahead. How many times have you convinced yourself of this? <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to, right? That's my job. I got to ask. <laughs> yeah, um, like three or four. You know, like three or four for yeah. sure. You know, like I'm a. I love my road bike so much. It is, I'm never going to buy another road bike in Mm -hmm. my mind. Mm -hmm. I've had this one 10 years. I can't think why I would replace it. Mm -hmm. And it's rim brake and I'm, I'm all about it. I love Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had been running tubes and and I was, I had previously thought, ah, tubes on the road bike is fine. Uh, But on Wednesday I decided tubes on the road bike are no longer fine. Okay. Uh, next question. How many sets of wheels do you have for that road bike? Um, currently just one, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a simple Uh, life. Is Um, that right? And how many of that one set are tubeless compatible? uh, I believe one. Oh, well, that's a lucky thing. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, okay, okay. Now, now that you've given me an answer I didn't see coming, I've got yet another question for you. Oh no! If you if if you have one set of wheels for that bike, yes, and that one set of wheels for that bike is tubeless compatible, yes. Why did Why you have the tube in there? <laughs> um, because it's messy to set up, and it was working just fine, and I don't. Uh, you know, I ride the road bike kind of quarterly right now. Right. And I don't know. I don't. You know, I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> I want to say shiftless also, I but I don't really know what shiftless means. Um, but Isn't yeah. Is that a fixie term? It might be. I mean, I here's what I will tell you that's positive. That the consequences, the... The b- negative consequences of my decisions belong to me. Mm-hmm. And other than being five minutes late to meet Mike, uh, you know, it's all on me. Well, yeah, and, sure. And, and I think that's a good thing. So, and I'm saying, I'm, I said, I, I told this story today not to convince people, well, not to convince most people that they should go tubeless because most people I think are there already. But for those of you like me who are like, ah, no, it's fine. I've run tubes my whole life. I'll keep running them. Yeah. It's just better to suck. Just, it's just better to suck it up buttercup and switch over to tubeless and get on with your life. I I mean, I, Well, you at the outset of this, you said it's good to have a little bit of difference of opinion so that you can you can have some creative friction, right? <laughs> yep. Well, I don't I don't so much differ with you. Uh, yes. But I do have an issue. Oh. <sighs> Ask me how many sets of wheels I have for road bikes. How many sets of wheels do you have for road bikes? I don't actually know. Oh, there are that many. Like, like I can tell you, I've got a set of 404 Firecrests. I've got a set of 303 Firecrests from uh, Zip. I've got some, uh, some, oh, uh, some Zip 30s, a basic, you know, alloy, normal rim type rim. Uh, I've got, there are some wheels from FSA in there. Uh, I, you know, I just, these are all 130 spaced quick release. Yeah. Quick release road wheels. Right. Not through I feel like what you're doing right now is, is, um, simultaneously bragging and crying for help. (laughs) (laughs) Like part of me is like, wow, you're, you're really flexing on the number of road wheels you have. But on the other hand, I'm sort of like. You're an old lady that lives with a thousand cats. What are you doing with all those road wheels? <laughs> I yes, I am the I am the crazy cat lady of road wheels. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I've got some money uh tied up in this stuff. And I I the 404s, I don't ride them that often because I haven't been going that kind of fast lately. Uh but you put a set of 404s on a bike and oh my gosh, what a good time they are. And the 303s are really, really wonderful in just all sorts of conditions. And I've got all these other wheels. And the bigger problem is most of them are not tubeless compatible. Oh, yeah. So, uh, 
I, I mean, I'm not meaning to humble brag, but it's like, I don't know where to begin to solve the issue. Well, I think your problem is that um, your cache of high-end road wheels went from gold to fool's gold overnight. Um, so, uh, but I do think you should move some of those out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should have, sell them now that they're worthless. I should have a second set. That is for sure true. But I am the absolute opposite of you in the sense that if I had a, an extra set of road wheels, I would or at some point I very certainly did have more sets of road wheels and I'm sure I gave them away. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't like to have things, especially <laughs> if I'm not using them. Like if I have a bike part and it's got dust on it, someone needs it. That isn't me. Uh, and I'm not trying to be the, I'm not trying to say like, that's a cool guy, good guy thing to do. I literally hate to have things. But one of my conversations with Mike when we finally get on, got on the ride was I was telling him that I never carry keys. And he said, what about for your house? And I said, never lock it. And he said, what about for your car? And I was like, the keys are in it. Uh, what about for – he just had a few – what about – I was like, yeah, I don't carry – I don't want to have any stuff. I okay, don't want – Okay, Whoa, 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 whoa. You – okay, we were just talking about banks. Yeah. Say you drive to your bank. I do. What do you do with the keys once you're there? You leave them in the car? Yeah, sure. I, I don't leave them in the ignition. There is no ignition in my car, but I don't, you know. I, I, I got nothing but stunned silence. <laughs> um, I mean, I hope no one steals my car or my uh, road wheels or whatever. Um, you and I have had this conversation before about things like, you know, you got bikes stolen and that's a terrible thing. And I felt uh, gutted for you. But I my view, uh, which is probably not common or popular or maybe even sane, is that if someone steals something from me, they must have really needed it. But I, I can I can have that conversation with you and we would have a difference <laughs> of opinion sure. on it. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, want someone to steal my car, but I all, but more, I don't want to carry my keys around. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you know, uh, more stunned silence. Um, I, yours is a position that there's really no way and no need to argue against. So there's that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I maybe I'll invest in some new road wheels. I don't know. I like the ones I have, but, uh, and I th I'm pretty sure they're tubeless already. Do you think that <laughs> at some point, you know, when, when like making inner tubes is, you know, like a, a, a dying art of some sort, do you think at some point, at least one of the companies out there will stop including the nut and the cap? I don't know. I don't know. If, is there a nut knurler out there in the world that's going to have to shut down when these things, when this thing ends? Um, I, because the I nut will, isn't just a nut. It's, you know, it's threaded, but it's also knurled. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. What's a synonym for knurled for people who don't know what knurling is? Grip. 
Yeah, it's a little grippy thing on the outside. I just yeah. somebody is yeah. out the, out there at a factory knurling nuts all day. Based on what I've seen in Taiwan, that machine runs on its own. Oh yeah, and it gets looked at by one dude every Friday afternoon at five o'clock when he goes in to turn it off. Yeah, uh, or something. I yeah, I yeah. It uh, when when they cease to make those things, no one will lose a job. <laughs> good, good, good. Problem good, is, good. they probably won't stop making them. Uh, you know, that's one of the things about running uh, tubulars that I really kind of missed. The 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 Vittoria tubulars that I always ran, which had a very short valve stem because all the rims were really shallow. They weren't knurled all the way down. You know, you had the insert for the valve. Uh, and then the actual stem itself was brass and smooth so that it would not wear out the grommet in the chuck of your silica pump. I do miss those days. Uh, and get off my lawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, get off my lawn. Yeah. All righty. We're going to break and we will come back, like it or not. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Shimano. Um uh, this is a recurring theme with me, but uh, when when Shimano put out their GRX component group, their gravel-specific componentry, my first uh, reaction was, really, we need a, we need a gravel-specific uh, component group. Um, but, you know, as is always the case in my history, I ended up uh, getting some, uh, putting it on my bike. I have a GRX DI2 one-by setup on my uh, gravel bike, which is my go-to, my do-everything bike. And I love it so much. I love it so much. It's not a road group and it's not a mountain group, but it does exactly what I wanted to do out on the trail, uh, in a way that I didn't, I didn't imagine or could have conceived of before it came out. So there you go. Innovation from a company that doesn't probably have to innovate, uh, but does and keeps after it. And so we're proud to have them as sponsors of the podcast. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for your pull. What's up this week? I got a question from Ed in Boulder about traveling with a bike. Uh, he's got an upcoming vacation and was asking about travel cases. He wrote, I'm going back home to Amherst and want to bring a bike because I can't borrow one this time. Should I go with a hard case or a soft case? And are there any particular that you recommend? So there are a lot of ways to get a bike from point A to point B these days. Uh, it used to be that airlines often lost bikes for a week or more. Don't ask how I know, uh, which made UPS a good option for folks who could ship ahead. But now UPS is so expensive and the airlines don't seem to lose bikes the way they used to. Uh, so that's not really the option it was. Bike flights is now the more affordable option for anyone who doesn't want to fly with their bike. The odd thing being that they often use UPS or FedEx, uh, but they get they because they're a big company, they negotiate good rates. And so it's a better rate than you would get on your own. The thing about shipping is ahead is that you don't have to deal with the bike in the airport or with a rental car or a cab or whatever. <clears throat> bike flights even though they negotiate a better rate, they still aren't cheap though. 
round trip from Santa Rosa to Memphis for a 48-pound bike in a cardboard box. Uh, I looked this up just recently. With just $3,000 of insurance is about $250 round trip. That begins to pencil out if you're flying with an airline that charges $100 per way. Uh, It's still more expensive, though. Um, So the question is, well, what about flying with? My first rule of flying with a bike is no hard cases. Uh, That's going to surprise at least three or four people out there, if not everyone. I once counted up all the different cases I'd reviewed over the years, and at this point, it's more than 10, not including cardboard boxes. Um, with one exception, all of the cases that were ever damaged, uh, damaged enough to need repairs or were outright destroyed, because that was also a thing that did happen, uh, were hard cases. I have some mixed feelings about the SNS hard case, as I've seen one destroyed. Um, I eat mine. Uh, but I've never seen a bike in an SNS hard case damaged. So there is that. What I learned from a guy I rode with for a while who uh, was a bag baggage handler then and may still be one now is that baggage handlers look for hard stuff to stack other things on. Soft sided bike cases are very difficult to stack things on and they're kind of hard to manage anyway, especially in those tight spaces. So they generally set them aside and lay them on top of other suitcases. Uh, I've seen hard cases destroyed in ways that only seemed possible if the case fell out of the plane while in flight. Um, On the other hand, I used to have a Bike Pro double wide case. Uh, That is one that held two bikes side by side. And I never once had a bike damaged while using it. (laughs) Same goes for my soft sided SNS case. Um, More recently, uh, because I don't have an SNS bike currently, but that's going to be taken care of by the folks at number 22 rather soon. Uh, more recently, I've been using a Thule round trip soft sided case and have had terrific luck with it. Um, if I'm honest with the Thule, uh, I first traveled with it carrying a bike that wasn't mine because I was honestly concerned about its ability to keep the bike safe. I was <laughs> there seemed to be less case than I had seen in a bike case in a long time. And I was like, well, let's use somebody else's bike in here when we do the review. <laughs> Uh, my concerns, uh, have proven to be unwarranted. It has done incredibly well. And on the one occasion, yes, I have to admit there was one occasion when a bike was damaged. Uh, that damage was occurred when I loaned the case to someone else and that person did not remotely load the bike correctly on the flight home. Uh, the number of errors and how it was loaded. Uh, well, I lost count. It just, it's like the bike was put into the case and not much more. Happened. It was crumpled up and thrown in the case. <sighs> not terribly <laughs> different from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, it was one of those things where I had to kind of bite my tongue and go, mm, maybe that's why it's damaged. Uh, yeah. Um, Thule, by the way, uh, They have redesigned the round trip since I first got it. And it is 
uh, just from the looks of it, a substantially better product now than it was then. And I honestly, I like mine. I really do. Uh, I used it just recently. Uh, and one of the neat things about it compared to so many cases, one of the big problems that you have with bite cases is, you know, you, you use them what once, twice, maybe three times in a year. And then with those hard cases, you've got this ginormous thing you got to store somewhere. Uh, part of the genius of the round trip is that it kind of all folds up and rolls up and gets small. And uh, I store mine on uh, on one shelf of some industrial shelving I have in my garage. Uh, it's easy to get out of the way. Um, so soft carrier is good. Uh, also good foam pipe insulation, old t-shirts and Velcro straps. My habit when I'm traveling with a bike for the first time is to buy a bunch of foam pipe insulation, cut it to length, then wrap it with a t-shirt and then wrap Velcro straps around the t-shirts to hold them in place. Uh, I've seen bikes be shipped, and while there was no damage to the frame or components, I have seen paint jobs come out looking like a scratch ticket. And if you're worried about weight, don't be. Uh, all that stuff together won't add up to two pounds. I know I've made the silly, nerdy rabbit hole move of weighing it, uh, but that's because I was trying to put other things in my case that was bringing it up over 50 pounds. So... Uh, I realized that less, less protection wasn't going to save me anything. Uh, another little tidbit for flying with a bike, as you pack your bike, set each of the tools that you needed to the side. And once the bike is packed, pack all of those tools in a plastic bag and then wrap it up. Uh, a, you don't want individual tools bouncing around inside the case. Uh, see my previous comments about scratch tickets. You absolutely don't want tools in your carry-on either. Uh, I no longer travel with a mini tool in my backpack because of the number of times I was pulled out of the line and they searched my backpack top to bottom. Uh, also, I mentioned this about setting the tools to the side for certain uh, personal investigatory reasons. Uh, I may have put a tool back once in the tool case that I then got to my destination, found out I needed. Mm. Um, yeah, it did give me a good excuse to go visit Wheat Ridge Cyclery in, in Denver. Oh, yeah. Shout out Steve Heal. My buddy yeah. Steve runs that shop. And Ron Kiefel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ron doesn't yeah. own that shop anymore. Well, yeah, but he did then. He did then. Uh, yeah. Awesome shop. Uh, practically a museum in its own right. Uh, and yes, they had a 10 millimeter Allen wrench for like nine bucks. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, traveling with a bike is a great thing. I, I don't think we have to make any sort of argument for that, but if you're going to travel with a bike, uh, I do invest, I do suggest investing in a case and I do suggest, uh, investing in one that is soft. Yes. That, that is my single biggest recommendation in all of this. Yes. The soft case, uh, in combination, so the soft case is good. It's much easier to pack, much more forgiving because, you know, one of the circles of hell is reserved for packing a very complicated bike in a too small bike case. But mm. uh, the soft case will allow you to get there much more quickly. 
but use it always in concert with the compression members uh, to keep the bike from getting crushed. So it's it is a soft case for packing purposes, but it's kind of a hard case for protective purposes, which is a nice little trick. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's <clears throat> it. Uh, it's an adventure, you know, it's kind of never not an adventure. Um, so yeah, I think of packing a travel bike. It's a bit like, um, Rubik's cube. It's a bit like speed cubing. Like, you know, at first you can solve the Rubik's cube in a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. but then eventually, you know, you're down to 15 or 20. I mean, I'm not speaking for myself. I can't solve one at all, but you know, the point is <laughs> the more you do it, the better, the easier and faster it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, to be fair, where like SNS and other travel bikes are concerned, <clears throat> that getting packing those never gets to be as fast as packing a bike in a traditional soft case or, or even right. hard cases. Right, right. Those don't need to be taken apart to nearly the degree um, something with SNS couplers or some likewise, the Richie system, <clears throat> right. Richie breakaway. Right. Those will always take a little longer, but they have the added advantage of because they come in, those cases come in at less than 62 linear inches, uh, linear inches being the person who can't do math uh, volume, which is probably designed just for me. Uh, <clears throat> having a case that's smaller than 62 linear inches is the magic number. That means that you usually get to fly for free with that bike, um, unless you're paying on a per bag basis. Um, yeah. So that's one of the things I love about when I've had a travel bike and I've flown by Southwest, I just go everywhere with my bike for free and it's awesome. Um, the other argument for having an actual travel bike, like taking an old steel bike and getting SNS couplers brazed in is that those cases are much easier to get into a rental car or Uber or whatever it is you're traveling with. Yeah. Uh, that aspect of things is remarkably easy to overlook. Yeah. Yeah. What to do, what to do on the other end. Yeah. yeah. Having that lift driver look at you and just shake his head yeah. at 1230 AM. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had more fun. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, let's move on to Paceline Picks. Okay. Um, I want to be crystal clear on this one from the jump. I don't eat chamois cream. (laughs) I bet I know where this is going. As far as I know, chamois cream is not edible. And anyway, it is not sold as ride food. It's for saucing your chamois. To keep things from getting sore and stingy, and generally no bueno. Having said that, Matt Alchemy's pure chamois cream is really tempting. Yep. I, yep. I, yep. Yep. It is so soft and velvety, so creamy and nice smelling. Like if there was a spoon nearby, I might just have to taste it to know. The people at Dannon would quake in their boots. They would. They would be like, what have these guys figured out? And, you know, it's it's one of those experiences like uh, cherry chapstick. Don't tell me you never gave that stuff a lick. Just <laughs> smells so good. So anyway, uh, Matt Alchemy Pure Chamois Cream. I'm not sure what makes it pure versus the other obviously contaminated ones, but I will say I like it a lot. 
this time of year when everything is sweaty all the time, I depend on a little lubricity to keep the parade on course, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, MAPCC for short. Uh, Matt Alchemy uh, uh, goes on light, does the job, and goes the distance. Its lightness is its brilliance in my mind. Uh, I don't want to feel like I just pasted my nether regions before climbing aboard the old steed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there are any other criteria, actually, for a chamois cream. I mean, this one smells nice, but it doesn't have to. It just has to keep my, you know, from, you knowing, uh, so that I can keep riding. Uh, one tub, 118 millimeter, uh, milliliters, uh, I should say, whatever that is, I don't know who chose that number, uh, is $21, but I'd argue the stuff is priceless given the sancrosanctity of the job it's assigned to. Yeah, yeah. It remains one of my favorites. You know, lots of them get a little, I don't know, menthol or something else in there that, you know, Mm. gives it a little added brightness and lift. i don't i don't yeah i don't always need uh that experience actually most of the time i don't need or want that experience yeah yeah, yeah. uh so having something that's simply uh slidey yeah mm-hmm. yeah just slidey yeah and if it yeah, smells it nice smells delicious bonus points yeah it should be slidey not too heavy and that's it and i think they nailed it yeah Yeah, good stuff. Because my riding has been somewhat erratic due to travel. Um, (laughs) Rewind if you need to. My weeks of riding have been up and down in terms of the numbers of hours I've been on the bike. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I went a little bonkers one weekend and rode almost 10 hours in three days, which is not really that much for former periods of my life, but it was a big jump for me this spring. I ended up with some knee pain. Uh, In addition to taking some glucosamine and chondroitin, uh, I also used the Recovery Balm from Floyd's of Leadville, which is a full-spectrum CBD balm with Arnica added. And Arnica is often used for muscle soreness as well as joint stiffness and soreness. Uh, And I fell into those last two categories. (laughs) I take the glucosamine and chondroitin in the morning as well as applying the balm. But I often noticed for about a week that late in the day, my left knee would have a thing or two to say to me, and they weren't generally all that polite. Uh, that's when I'd hit my knee with the recovery. I wouldn't actually hit it. No, don't uh, hit I would apply the recovery balm to my knee. And, you know, the stuff did the trick. With about a, within about 15 or 20 minutes, my knee would be feeling better. Um, and... Uh, Yeah, so I do credit it with being a a very handy little thing. It comes in two sizes, one with 180 milligrams of CBD and another with 600 milligrams of CBD. I don't actually know how how big the container itself is. Uh, It's it's not terribly large and it doesn't take a lot. The small one is $19.99 and the big one is $47.99. Look, I'll say it. Okay, CBD is getting touted as a miracle cure for everything from cancer to Vladimir Putin. It can't do all that many things, uh, but studies have shown that CBD is effective at dealing with both nerve pain, which I've discussed here previously, uh, and inflammation. You can count on it to help with those two symptoms. I just wouldn't use it to cure COVID. Uh, 
there will be a link in our show notes, of course. <clears throat> Excellent. Yeah. That's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. You got anything fun this weekend? Yeah, I just realized it's the July 4th weekend. It is. Um, so I'm going to ride my bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's my special plan. You know, I, one one of the handful of interesting things that I miss about L.A. is uh, Helen Cycles would always get all the stuff that they hadn't been able to sell for any other reason. And it would go to their Santa Monica location and they would take over the parking lot and back of them. And, you know, you could find, you know, what would otherwise be maybe a thousand dollar, twelve hundred dollar Cannondale frame set for three hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, there are some amazing deals to be had uh, for those folks who are in the greater L.A. area at Helen Cycles. I always it, I went to that sale sometimes just for pure entertainment value. You know, the number of times I actually bought things, I don't know, but I, I never, ever wanted to miss that sale just to see what it was they were blowing out. Like, what can't they sell? Uh, what, what Patrick's not telling you there is that he picked up a new set of road wheels every year for a decade. But go on. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I missed that. But um, yeah. So, yeah, this weekend I'm going to drive north. Yeah. Yeah. Back. Back out of town. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if the weather cooperates, you know, as it go, as you go north, it gets cooler. But if the weather cooperates, I'm going to take my boys to uh, a water park. Oh, yeah. Very nice. I think that'll be a good time. No hot dogs before sliding, boys. OK, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll keep that one in mind. Hey, send us some questions. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. Uh, oh, and before we go, I'd like to put in a P a toy boat, put in a plug for, uh, one of TCI's other podcasts, revolting, which is a cycling podcast, not really about cycling. But sometimes, John. yeah, sometimes it is. <laughs> yep. Truth. Uh, uh, yeah. Produced by John and Steve Knievel of all hail the black market. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Uh, oh, and we are going to be on hiatus next week because I'm going to be traveling and uh, won't have a good setup to be able to record. So we are going to miss next week, but we will be back the following week. OK, until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.